Hello, and welcome to another episode of Outlier Academy's Spotlight Series, where every week we sit down with a founder, operator, or investor working at the edge of what's next. I'm Daniel Scrivener, and on the show today, I sit down with Alexandra Zetterin, founder and chief marketing officer at Eight Sleep, to learn about how they created an entirely new category, coined the term sleep fitness, and took the smart mattress world by storm. Eight Sleep is famous for their Pod Pro mattress and Pod Pro mattress cover, which are used by everyone from three times NBA champion Danny Green to CrossFit Games champion Justin Medeiros. Eight Sleep's Pod Pro mattress can heat and, bol- and cool both sides of the bed separately while capturing incredibly high fidelity sleep data and even waking you up with a subtle vibrational alarm each morning. Yet if 8sleep didn't find a way to wrap all this technology in a bigger idea, creating an entirely new category and market around sleep fitness, they might be just another competitor in a crowded market. So in this episode, we're exploring category creation, including when to create a category, how to go about it, and why it's key to turning what might otherwise be seen as a commodity product into a prestige brand. To do that, Alexandra walks us through the origin story of 8sleep, how renowned investor Keith Raboy told them that they needed to create an entirely new category to be successful, and we learn how they did it with the help of Andy Cunningham and the book Get to Aha. This episode is our definitive guide to category creation. You can find the notes and transcript for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 88. And you can learn more about 8sleep at 8sleep.com. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com. Or by following 8sleep on Twitter. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Alexandra Zatarin of 8sleep. Welcome to Outlier Academy, Alexandra. I'm really excited to have you on. And we're going to talk about sleep, sleep fitness, and how you created an entirely new category at 8sleep. Thank you so much for the time. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to dive in. So I want to start a little bit by kind of going back and talking about the origin story, because I think something that was surprising to me uh, in doing research for this episode is that the company was started, to be honest, quite a while ago in 2014. You've been working on this problem for a long time. What attracted you, Mateo and Massimo to work on sleep? Yeah, so it was actually Mateo, my co-founder and my husband and our CEO who started looking into the space. So you're right, it's been it's been a while. And You know, it's a really, really big uh, challenge that we're tackling that really came out of his own experience with sleep. And uh, as he started struggling with sleep and started thinking, well, why aren't we actually leveraging technology to help people sleep better? And so from there, we just build the company. (laughs) And so what he figured very early on in his own uh, struggles with sleep is there is an opportunity to first understand more about how people sleep. There's not enough understanding the way sleep is studied nowadays. It's a few steps at a time take people out of their normal environment. And obviously back in 2014, it was even harder because there were no wearables. And so the technology was was way, way behind. And also to find a way to uh, enable people to one day get the same level of recovery you would get in eight hours, maybe in less time. That sort of became his obsession. That's something he still uh, talks a lot about today because we aren't really getting any closer to going back to the average American sleeping eight, nine hours a day. People sleep on average, I think, six hours and 40 minutes a night. So how can we just make it possible for that to still be healthy? Because it's obviously not right now in the way that we sleep and the, and the, the way the environment in which we sleep. So that's what we do still today. We started with sort of that premise and Massimo, who's our co-founder and, and chief technology officer, built the first prototype of it. I got involved to launch the, the first product to consumers and it's been a journey. 
Yeah, it's been quite a journey. So I want to ask now about you in particular. Was there something that attracted you to the problem of sleep? Because, you know, obviously you've done an enormous amount of testing. You know, there's amazing photos of you on Twitter with all these nodes hooked up to your brain. Um, So you've clearly been a guinea pig for this. Was there something there that was deeper that interested you or what attracted you? Yeah. So, you know, I've always been a great sleeper, even nowadays that I think I live a much more stressful life than I did seven years ago, but I am still able to reconcile sleep pretty quickly anywhere, anytime, which is great. But there's something very interesting about our vision where very early on when Matteo and Massimo or Max, as we call him, started working on what the technology could look like that you could put in a bed they realized that there was more that this technology was going to be able to do for us in the future than just tell us how we slept. And that is uh, something that's also part of our vision at Eight Sleep is we believe that by bringing this technology into your bed and your bedroom, you aren't only improving your sleep and tracking your sleep, but as we do already, you're able to track certain biometrics that are indicators of your recovery, eventually more indicators of your health. And because you spend so much time in your bed and you spend so many years sleeping on the same bed or the same bed products, you could see your body age, you could see certain things developing around your health, health issues. And that to me personally was what really calls me to do what we've been doing for the last seven years, which is this idea that we can completely change the perception and the function of those eight hours of sleep and of that bed to one day be a life-saving device. When I joined Matteo and Max, my father had just passed away. He passed away of colon cancer. It was a very quick thing between diagnosis and him passing away. It's four months, right? Like most people that get diagnosed too late. And so I was very sensitive to the topic of preventive health. And how do we make sure we identify as early as possible things that could be developing in our bodies? And we truly believe that with the technologies Eight Sleep is building, the fact that it's not wearable, you don't need to remember it, you don't need to wear it. We one day will be able to show you certain things happening in your health much earlier than anything else that you're doing right now on preventive health. Yeah, well, it's fascinating, and you know, it gets into the big ambitious you know, vision of it truly being not just, you know, your bed's slightly cooler, (laughs) your bed adjusts to the temperature in the room or adjusts to the weather, but to something that's much more profound, which is, which is really cool. In the early days, like something we're going to get to a little bit later in the episode is, you know, from my perspective, one of the most fascinating things about eight sleep is you guys have created literally an entirely new category. Like I still remember back to when you launched it and, you know, we'll talk about that in a second, but a lot has changed. But one of the questions I want to ask early on is, did you see that opportunity from day one to create a new category or did it start out much more humbly of, we have some interesting ideas around technology. Let's start with, with technology and then things kind of, you know, snowballed from there. Yeah, no, not at all. I didn't even honestly know what a category was. And, and, Granted, I went to school to study communications, but I really do think most of what you learn in life, you learn it by doing and by failing. So when we started, we were mostly just looking at what other companies were doing that we thought were speaking to our consumer and imitating. And and I speak to this often because I think it's a mistake that a lot of us entrepreneurs do, and especially when you don't think you have the experience and so you believe you don't know how to do things and you imitate. And there's a lot of power in imitation in a lot of aspects, but I do believe now from our, what we've seen in our experience that when you're building your brand, 
your brand. It's about your own belief of what the world should look like and where it should be and your position in it. And you need to have a really strong point of view. And I just don't think that you can build that out of imitation or A-B testing. There's a certain conviction and intuition that comes from it. So when we started, there was no clarity on who we were necessarily. We knew what we were building. We knew the problem we wanted to solve. But from a brand perspective, which we were much, much weaker. So the category creation part came much later, but much, much later. So we were definitely a few years in. You know, It takes a while to develop hardware products. So we had been going through a lot of those iterations. We launched the first product. And then as we raced our Series B, I believe, the investor that came in at that time was like, you guys need to change the the positioning of this company or you're going to go nowhere and people are just going to think that you're like a mattress company with technology, which we certainly aren't. And that really hit me in the face because I was like, what do you mean change positioning? Like, what is positioning? <laughs> you know, I don't even know what you're talking about. And so I had to go down that process of figuring out what that meant and, and how do we do it. And we have enjoyed a lot seeing it come to life and actually building the category day to day, but it wasn't the path we were taking originally. It's fascinating. Can you share who that investor is? Yeah, it was Keith Rabboy. He was very opinionated about this. So I'm sure. It's amazing. I mean, amazing because uh, yeah. that seems to have been obviously super insightful uh, into, you know, a key ingredient to the success that you guys have had. Definitely. Yeah. I, I want to talk um, before we go too much further, just to break down eight sleep, because I think, yeah, partially to, to push back on, I think what you were just bringing up that it's just a mattress company because it's much more than that, because there's also a lot of components. <laughs> there's the pod, the mattress, you know, the app, all of these things work together. Can you just kind of frame up for people the different elements of it and then what the day-to-day experience of using eight sleep is like? Yes, definitely. Well, Eight Sleep is a health and wellness company focused on sleep fitness. We use technology to help people sleep better. So what we do day in and day out is develop those technology products, whether they are hardware products, software, anything that's going to help you sleep better through that innovation. And because we use technology, we're able to build these products to be personalized to what you need. You were talking about our our, our product, the pod, right, the mattress and the cover. So that is our signature product. That's what people know is for uh, the best. It's the pod. The pod is a technology that you can use on the surface of any mattress, or you can buy the mattress from us. And that technology allows us to track how you're sleeping, which is at the core of the technology doing its job. It needs to understand how you sleep and your habits. It also tracks other aspects of your recovery, your HRV, your heart rate at rest, your respiratory rate. And with that information, it doesn't just deliver that information to you and coach you and give you insights and everything, but it also uses that information in real time to create the perfect environment for sleep, starting with temperature regulation, which is the number one factor that affects people's ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. So that is sort of the the core technology, really, really powered by a lot of intelligence that took many years to gather to be able to build algorithms that can do detection with non-wearables for two people in bed at the same time. Over time, we have layered other sorts of, let's call them services on top of that intelligence. So you have a mobile application that delivers those, those metrics, gives you the reports, gives you insights, has some layer of sleep tools. So do you need to unwind? Do you need to meditate? Uh, do you need some relaxing sounds to help you fall asleep, right? So obviously the world of sleep is very personal, Different people need different products and solutions. And so that's what we're building at Eight Sleep. Everything's just innovation driven and personalized based on your own biometrics. Yeah. And I'm guessing from that description, you guys have much bigger ambitions than just the pod. It seems like the pod's maybe the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) Definitely it is. And the reason is because there's many more problems to solve. You know, we're not inventing these problems. Just the fascinating thing is 
Yep, some people struggle with temperature. Most of us actually struggle with temperature issues. And so if we can control that, people can sleep better. And you know, we see that in the data. I think recently Mateo just tweeted something around sort of the effects of what we're seeing in temperature control and people's increase in their HRV, which means they're recovering better. So that is, it's been scientifically proven for a very long time. We just build a product that brings it into your home and through machine learning is actually adjusting to what you need. But you're right, there's many more things we can build and we're working on those already. And I sleep on some crazy contraptions already that are going to be coming soon to people's homes. So that's what makes our jobs exciting. That's exciting. Is there, in your mind, is there a kind of single most important aspect or piece of that technology? Because, you know, just from what you just described, I guess my perspective would be it's likely the pod because, you know, when I think about the landscape, I think of a lot of mattresses and yours looks very different. <laughs> There's something that sits next to the mattress, um, but it could also be the algorithm. What what would be the like secret sauce or the most, you know, the most important aspect of technology you guys have? It's the intelligence. You're right. So it's definitely you know that algorithm. We, we define it as the whole intelligence. We we recently launched the, the sort of the, the newest version of what we call like Sleep OS. Right. It's sleep has its own operating system. And what our our intelligence to Sleep OS does is that it really builds a profile of every user. So we're not just running the same sleep algorithm on everyone. Everyone is different. As you sleep on the product, product understands what you need as a sleeper, and it is making recommendations and adjustments right now on temperature to help you sleep better. But as your environment changes, you know it, it learns. Like my pod is able to tell me as the temperature in my bedroom drops or increases, hey, your room is colder than usual because it knows what the usual is. And so the intelligence is the most important piece of it. And over that intelligence, we can layer a lot of other solutions for other factors that may get in the, in the way of a good night's sleep. Sure. It sounds like one, that's the thing that holds it all together. And it's also where all the logic resides, which which obviously makes a lot of sense. Even that example of obviously how useful is it to know the average temperature in your room so then you can benchmark and change and be able to adjust. I want to talk about a little bit about kind of the early days, because I guess my guess would be that that algorithm has been a long time coming. You guys have been working on that for years and years and years. And, you know, my experience with that sort of technology is, yeah, it's just, it takes a long time of compounding to get to a place that's really interesting. So in the early days, where were you focusing most of your efforts on R&D? Was it around temperature control? Kind of what was, I guess, the first area that you felt like was difficult to, to try and solve? It's Probably, I would say it is the data because you're right, it takes a long time to gather enough of it in order to train your algorithms. Then you need to compare them to what could be considered a gold standard, which in, in the case of in our space, is like a PSG with a, you know, what they would use for a sleep clinic. But then you also compare your heart rate metrics, which you need in order to infer sleep phases. So there's, it's very complicated and it's not the part of the company I oversee or I take care of. And I'm sure my co-founder Max can speak to it in much more detail, but it is really complex. And that is one of the moats of the company. We've been doing this, like you described at the beginning of our conversation for a few years, because it takes years just to be able to build that intelligence. And so that is pretty complex. Then as we started sort of like reaching a certain level with that, the complexity started coming from some parts of the comfort. So how do we make these sensors that are on your bed, you know, disappear or be very seamless? We introduced the cooling technology on the pod, then how do you make it disappear, be more seamless? So even from an original pod in 2019 to the pod pro in 2020, there was a huge jump to how that feels and the design of it and how we're able to still like cool and heat without you feeling you know, maybe like some of the, of the, what we call the active grid below you. And so people who have been sleeping with products and have upgraded from version to version can definitely speak to it. So it's like you're, you're designing something physical 
and you want to make sure in our case, because we're in, we're in your bedroom, it's such a private space and it needs to be comfortable that uh, those values in our design rank really high up. Yeah, that's something that, you know, I didn't even really intuit that obviously a big part of it would be you're packing all these sensors into a bed, a bed, something that you want to lie in and relax. You don't want to feel like you're lying on a bunch of sensors and straps and, you know, feeling things vibrating and rumbling. It's really interesting. So you talked a little bit about the number of versions. How many iterations have you guys gone through? And I'm sure at some level it's like it's infinite. (laughs) We're always releasing new versions. But talk a little bit about, I guess, the major leaps or expand on those major leaps you were just sharing of, you know, the first one in 2019, the newer model in 2020, and give us a sense for where you are now. Oh my God. It's a great question because I, I ballpark it and I, I probably am going to go and ask this question after I interview to our team, but I'm sure we've done over 20 versions of our product. And the reason is our team has adopted a model for hardware that is closer to software releases. If we, we know that there's something we could do better, we're not going to wait for a next public facing model of the product to release this. We're going to bring it into the next batch of manufacturing immediately. We want things to get better, just like any startup where you need to iterate really, really quickly. And traditionally hardware is not something that moves at that pace or with that style, but we do it at eight sleep. Um, So we've built tons of models. The biggest leaps that we've launched to consumers are our very first product, which was what we call the smart mattress cover that had a very similar architecture to what we have today. So you have sensors that track your sleep for two people at the same time on the same bed, and it uses that information to change the temperature, but it was only heating, it wasn't cooling. The number one request that we got when we launched that product in crowdfunding in 2015, which is very long ago, was that uh, people wanted it to cool. And cooling and building a product that cools and cools, and but still comfortable is a pretty complex problem. So we took a few years to build that. So that was at least a year on on real focused R&D to develop what then became the pot that we introduced in 2019. And so that was the biggest jump that we made. From then on, we focused on the pod. So the pod as a technology comes, like I mentioned earlier, as a mattress or just as a cover, which you can put on any mattress. Then the pod went through another version, which is the Pod Pro, which had improvements. And we added a wake-up experience with vibration, uh, which is usually combined with the temperature wake-up as well. So people can wake up without the jarring noise. It's something a bit more subtle. People love it. Um, and so that was another big jump. And then we'll do another jump hopefully soon. So, you know, we're always just looking to innovate. The pod for us is a line like, like you think like the iPhone. We're always thinking what else, what other problem can we solve for our members in their sleep? Or what could we do better that we're doing today that, that we think we can deliver a better experience on? Yeah. Okay. I want to ask two final questions, then we can move on to talk about the competitive landscape. And the first one is, it's interesting to me, uh, just thinking about, so we live in a world where people can use Whoop and Aura and Apple Watch, and you know, there's increasingly a large landscape of devices that you can wear that can track different data points. One thing that's obviously interesting to think about is it would seem somewhat intuitive and kind of obvious that the best place to track your sleep would be in the mattress and probably not something that you're wearing on your finger. Is that accurate? And then why is that the case? And talk about how much better the data is around sleep from eight sleep versus something you would just wear on your, you know, your wrist or your finger. You know, the most important thing to think about here is not just the accuracy, but what matters the most is to build trends of any metric. This is true, not just for sleep, but like your weight, right? Does it matter much? Like if it's one kilo less or one kilo more, one pound less or one pound more today, tomorrow? Not really. Does it matter if like your Fitbit scale versus your Withing scale is telling you a different grams? No, it doesn't matter, but it's the trend. Are you suddenly losing weight or are you gaining weight? 
that can be indication of not just habit changes, but potentially like health problems. So that's the way we think about it in sleep. So we want you to be able to capture data consistently. And that's why we believe you need to have something you don't wear because as much as you can have long lasting batteries, there will be some nights where you're not going to wear those devices to bed. And so if you can have the sensors in the bed, because they're always plugged, they're always there, you're going to be able to build an amazing trend view of your sleeping metrics, your heart rate variability, your heart rate at rest, your respiratory rate. The power of that is tremendous. So we don't see the wearables as competitors. You know, they serve their own role. We love that people use them during the day. We as a team use them all the time. But at night, we do think like you'd want to rely on something that you don't have to wear and build that profile for yourself and to look back at it and be able to tell if something has changed recently. We've had some of our members detect like really interesting things out of that information because they have come to almost understand their bodies really deeply because they've been tracking it for a few years now with the same product consistently every single night. Um, So that's where it gets really fascinating. Yeah. It, It seems like another way to think about that is you guys effectively make the data collection and temperature control and all the other amazing things basically invisible. Someone just gets into bed and it all happens, which is, which is really cool. Uh, because it feels like things obviously need to move in that direction over time. Yeah. And then accuracy is is important. You know, I definitely say like accuracy is important. So don't get me wrong. Every single company that's tracking needs to be working on that constantly. But we see a lot of people get sort of stuck in like, well, this device is telling me like, you know, 100 HRV and this other one's telling me 102, which one's accurate. Look at the trend, right? That's where we need to educate the consumer, like what really matters and and how do we truly understand the power of the data and use it for interpreting what's happening with our bodies? Last question would be around, how do you frame up the pros and cons and help a, you know someone make a decision of whether just to use the mattress cover or use the full mattress? Because I would guess that the full mattress probably has all sorts of amazing technology in it that's not visible from the outside. So talk a little bit about some of the differences there between those two. Yeah, the full mattress system is is thought of that. It's a system. So the cover and the mattress are designed to blend perfectly together. Comfort is an important part of people sleeping well, right? So it is not the only factor. You can buy the most comfortable bed in the world and you still have horrible sleep because it's not the only thing that matters, but it is important that you're comfortable. And so when we designed the cover to go with the mattress, we think about how do they how do they come together? How do they blend? How do they feel together? You could grab the Pot Pro cover, put it on your mattress and feel like it's too firm or it's too soft, right? And so that's why we offer this solution that's just the system that we have rated to be a perfect medium firm that we know is going to be supportive. It's going to match perfectly with the topper that's integrated in the cover too. But a lot of people will just buy the cover and put it in the bed because maybe they love their bed or they bought it recently. And, you know, we don't want to, to force you to have to make the big expense. Yeah, which is which is really important, even just from a values perspective of make it, you know, you want to help people improve their sleep fitness and improve their health, make it as easy as possible for them to do it, <laughs> whether it's a big decision or a small one. So I want to talk about just the competitive landscape a little bit, because it's really unique. <laughs> I think what I mean by that is, you know, when I kind of jump back to 2014, 2015, it felt like that time, you know, Casper owned the world. Casper was the company everybody knew. There was this whole batch of direct-to-consumer mattress companies that were around. Now, you know, flash forward, it feels like Casper's almost defunct. The direct-to-consumer mattress companies are still around, but I don't feel like they're, I don't hear anyone talking about them. I don't really hear anyone using them. And then just in the sleep side, you know, I think we've gone from sleep being something that wasn't really talked about, wasn't really optimized, to obviously a world now where 
that's incredibly common. And I think eight sleep is really obvious. How do you think about the competitive landscape and what has it been like to be at eight sleep during that shift? (laughs) You know, that's one of the things that when you build your own category, you may find yourself with few competitors initially, but eventually things will catch up. And if you're building category, you want people to come into it. So it's actually something you care about. You want it for it to become a thing. And so then there are more companies that want to build in that space. Um, So we're certainly excited to see that there is a shift. And that shift comes from not just that there's more businesses building in it, but um, there's more companies approaching it from different perspectives. So not everyone may be talking about sleep fitness, but certainly this idea that you can use data and you can use technology to help people sleep better. So that's really cool because you're right, back in 2014, 2015, when we started, there wasn't really much of it. At the time, I remember when Mateo started looking into the space before we started the company, it was like Jawbone, it was Fitbit. That's, they started doing sleep tracking with their wearables, but you know this seems like prehistoric times now. So it was very, very different. I, I do think companies like Casper did an amazing job at building interest in the sleep category. And that's what I really appreciate, especially as a marketer, to see that there was the power of the brand being put into a space that honestly was asleep until then. Like it was very old school. It was very traditional. It was mainly going through pretty retailers and no one was making it exciting to talk about sleep in a fun way. And he did a tremendous job at that. And I think that paved the way for brands to hate sleep, even though we have a very different perspective on sleep. For us, sleep is not just, you know, real relaxation and coziness and like sleep as much as you want, but it's really about performance. It's about innovation. It's about harnessing the power of sleep to achieve what you want to achieve during the day. So our positioning may be different, but we benefit from what they built in those early years. And now, as you mentioned, it's, it's a bit of a shift. Like I think people may not be so proudly speaking about adopting these sort of more affordable online mattresses that have nothing but comfort because there's been more of that adoption of I'm going to invest in my health. That is what has shifted too. And I think the generation that adopted some of these bed in a box companies, we were in a different moment in our careers and our lives when we did so back in the day. But now maybe your income, you know, has increased, you're starting to have kids and you think differently. You want to prevent health issues. You want to invest in yourself. And that has become more of a priority for that generation. And I think that's why the consumer habits are shifting and benefiting companies like Sleep and many others. Yeah. And you talked about, obviously, when you create a category that you want people to get into it. You know, it's it's interesting. As I started kind of preparing for this interview, just reflecting on the fact also now that it feels like everyone's largely moved towards eight sleep. You know, it's like the generic uh, mattress companies are now advertising things like cooling sheets or a cooling mattress or a cooling pillow. You have, you know, major players like Sleep Numbers, who I can't help but think is, you know, very inspired by, by what you're doing at eight sleep. So I guess one question with that is, do you guys focus at all on competition? And if so, how do you even, how do you talk about that internally? How do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, we obviously see what the, what the world's building around sleep, right? We have to. That's our job to stay aware of, of what people are building. But we have something very clear, which is if we can use technology to help people sleep better, we win. So that's what we need to focus on. Just build the best products possible. And it takes time. So we're also very aware that there's no shortcut. A lot of the products you mentioned are shortcuts and they don't work. Cooling sheets, they don't work. Like they, they will be cooler. They will feel cooler. 
But we would never at Eight Sleep tell you that that's the only thing you should use if you want to feel cooler because we know it doesn't work. It doesn't deliver what you're actually thinking when you think about sleeping in a cool space. And that's what we focus on is like real results. When we look at the landscape, when we started working in Eight Sleep, one of the things that we noticed we got frustrated with was exactly the fact that none of these companies makes it their mission to help people sleep better. They're selling you products. They don't care how well you sleep. For us, it's really personal. We will be there on Twitter answering to you. And we are, and we will always be because we care about how you are sleeping. That is how we measure our success as a company and our ability to help people sleep better. It's not just how many pods are we selling. And that is what I think could differentiate us in the long run because we're really obsessed by solving the problem. And hopefully the consumers and people who are out there making their purchasing decisions will notice that and will gravitate towards companies that are actually delivering on their promise. Yeah. I mean, I love what you said there around one, actually focus on delivering what people are really after, because I think that's really profound. <laughs> and then the second one that, you know, people are uh, some some competitors, because you can also generalize this is way more common than just in mattresses or in sleep fitness. But, you know, people selling something that in your mind, you're thinking that this is a solution when you know that it's not. It's like, you know, it's selling you a first order outcome instead of a second or third order outcome, like like I think what you guys are focused on. I want to shift for a second and talk about creating a new category because obviously one, that data point around Keith obviously coming in and, and investing and, and saying, you know, I think you guys really need to invest in a new category. But it, to me, it's also maybe one of the most interesting things of, you know, when I go to eightsleep.com, one, I can tell you've invested an enormous amount in the brand and what that means is in the photography, in the aesthetics and the way that it shows up. So I guess where I wanted to start it is like brand versus category in your mind, because I think one, um, and we can take a second and talk about those terms, because I think both of those terms are probably a little overgeneralized at this point. But in your mind, just to start there, do you separate brand and category? Are they the same thing? How do you think about the difference there? In our case, we don't separate them. And I actually... so. I will break down for you how we think about building the brand. And I think that goes hand in hand with the category. And I think it's a playbook that's applicable to any business, but I don't get cut up in, in like the, the formalities and the theory of it because we just don't have time for it. Like I don't even think at eight sleep, we actually have like a full on beautiful brand book with all of our, like we've just have kept, have, you have to keep going, right? You don't have time to look back and, 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 and document everything, but we have documented the most important parts of it. And when we think of eight sleep, and if you remember how I just described it earlier, we're a health and wellness company focused on sleep fitness. So ultimately the brand, the brand promise is sleep fitness. So that's our category because no one else right now is selling sleep fitness. If someone else comes in and sells sleep fitness, they will be part of our category. So it's hard for us to take away and split the category from the brand because the brand promise is essentially sleep fitness, which is our category. And as we are building the brand, which really what it means is, I mean, the brand exists. So it's more, I would say, uh, creating awareness about the brand and getting people to engage with our brand. We think about it as a movement because we are a mission-driven company. We measure our success and our ability to deliver on that promise to help people sleep better. And so we have to get people to embrace this as a lifestyle. So what we're really building here more than a brand is we're building a movement. We need to change people's perception of sleep. For some people, they already have a perception that aligns with how we think about it. And so we just need to bring them into our world, have them adopt our community our principles, our language, buy our products, hopefully. But ultimately, from the brand building perspective, what we care most about is that sleep fitness becomes a thing. 
we don't measure the brand building success and how many products we're selling is are people embracing sleep fitness? Do they understand what it is? Do they talk about it? Do they adopt it as a lifestyle? Are suddenly people who we engage with and communicate, we can't expect to affect the entire world right now, but is this community actually now changing their habits around sleep and talking about it and feeling proud about it and getting their friends to come into this movement as well? And that's the simple recipe. It's really a movement for us because we are mission driven. And that's what I am so just privileged to be able to do day in and day out with my team because I find it to be a lot of fun because I get to sell you, if you want to think about it that way, something that is not positive for the world. No one's going to be hurt by people sleeping better. We're all going to be healthier and live longer. So I'm glad I get to be a marketer in that space. Yeah, it's a great way to think about it. And I love that simple framing of just focusing on what you're building being a movement. It's not products. It's not a product line. It's not a latest iteration. It's not any of that. It's much more kind of driving forward a an idea and I guess making, you know, helping that show up in the world. So I guess my next question then would be, you know, it seems like one, it's really profound that there's basically two words that you guys are all in on, which is sleep fitness. How, what was the process of arriving at that framing? And what was the process of basically going from, okay, you know, and maybe one way to frame it up would be kind of walk us through, I guess, how you guys were approaching this pre that conversation and kind of comment from Keith. And then when you were like, okay, now we actually need to do this, what changed and what was the process of arriving at that framing? Yes, it's a great question. I'm trying to go back to those times. Um, It was years ago. (laughs) Yeah, it was a few years ago. But yeah, they feel like decades and decades ago at this point. But what we were doing before, oh my God, I mean, if anyone goes and uses the Wayback Machine and goes checks our website from like 2016, they'll see how different we were. (laughs) So it was definitely a different company back then, in some ways and not in others. And and I'll point out what what that was and how, why we were able to make that shift so easily and smoothly. So what we were doing before is we were not able to clearly articulate who we were, but it wasn't compelling. So we hadn't found the sort of the aha, like, okay, this is it. This is why this company matters. And so I think we were just like another company building technology among the bunch of companies that build technology across many spaces in the world. And so what shifted with that comment was this idea that we had to change our perception out there, that people on the outside were not perceiving us by who we really were. So here's this investor, Keith, who just gave us all this money to go and build our next generation of technology. And he didn't invest in the company because of what everyone else may think of this company, because we were doing a terrible job of positioning ourselves out there. He understood what we were really building. He read of our materials. We spoke about our vision. And he basically said, put a mirror in front of us. It's like, you're not reflecting the right image and the right messaging, but I know you have it because obviously I just gave you money to build this, right? So that was sort of the message in a nutshell that he gave us. Like, if you don't change it, no one is going to give you money because people are going to think you're something you're not. So with that simple framing, I went ahead and thought, well, like, what do we have to do? And I had never gone through something like this. And, you know, my co-founders are like, well, now you figure it out because it's evidently something of marketing. So you have to figure it out. And actually got an introduction from a fellow founder who had gone through the process of just this whole positioning exercise uh, for his company. And we ended up working with someone who guided us through the process. And there's a really good book that this amazing person wrote. Uh, her name is Andy Cunningham. And her book is Get to a Ha. I feel like I recommended in every single interview I do. But the process that Andy guides you through was so relevant to us because 
it is her belief is that the positioning is not something you just like A-B test your way into. It actually comes from inside and it comes from within the DNA of the company. And that is something that we were really lucky at Aid Sleep that we always had a very strong DNA and DNA generally comes from like the founders of the company having strong beliefs of as to who they are, what type of company they want to build and why they're even building it. That was really clear to us. We were just not transparent and clear in communicating it. And we were almost building a different facade for who we wanted to portray. So as she guided us through this exercise, it became really clear that what we were building here and what we believed is that sleep is the means to an end. That sleep is something that can be optimized, that should be measured, optimized, and prioritized. And so we have all these beliefs that technology can improve sleep, that it's not an enemy for good sleep. And that puts us in a unique space because a lot of the brands you just mentioned earlier that make products in the sleep space, they don't necessarily see sleep in the same way. So they don't have to, right? That's the point of building brands. They can be different, but we do. And so how do we take that, harness that power and build it into the brand, both from how we speak, how we say, how we define ourselves, how we look to really show our DNA and finally match who we are. And it was very liberating as a process because it's like therapy, but for a company and you're really able to accept who you are and realize that you can actually find much more success when you're authentic. And this is a word that is used a lot with brands, right? It's like, is that coming across as authentic or not? And it is so important. I always say, just be authentic and not try to just build the brand from the outside and sell a bunch of products and, and make money. If you really care, especially if you're a mission-driven company, it needs to be built from your DNA. And sleep fitness was just a concept that came out of this exercise where when you think of all of these other words that we associate to how we think about sleep and the fact that we think of sleep as like performance and optimization and measurement, we found ourselves with a lack of vocabulary to describe what it meant to be healthy in your sleep. For the most part, when you read about sleep on the media, you know, any content, you will see that it's described in sort of the context of illness, sleep deprivation, sleep apnea, insomnia. It's all like the negative words, but there was no way to describe when you're healthy in your sleep. And that's how the concept of sleep fitness came about. And I think it perfectly encapsulates that language that we need to give to the world so that you can aspire to something. Because if you can't name it, how can you describe it? And how can you aspire to live that lifestyle? But it also represents how we think of sleep, which is very similar to any other fitness, right? Like a physical fitness journey has ups and downs. You may not always be physically fit. And that's okay. It happens the same with sleep. You're not perfect, but you can always come back to it. It's also a practice. It doesn't happen magically. You need to invest, you need to have habits, those habits compound. And so, yeah, we just found like, wow, this, this phrase, these two words are so perfect to describe how we think about it. And we also think they're cool and get people excited about the term. Yeah. You did a great job articulating that. I feel like you crossed off about 10 questions I was going to ask after that. So <laughs> that was a wonderful job. And I have not heard of Get to Aha. So I will definitely link to it in the show notes. And I know I'm going to go by that and read that. So I guess my next question would be, you know, if that's the... Uh, I don't know. That's the transformation you went through in terms of you have a bunch of ahas, you have this sudden realization. Then coming out the other side, you know, I guess my experience has partly been once you know what your brand is, it's kind of like walking a tightrope because you need to make sure that you're always threading that needle. And it's always, you know, 
I don't know, sometimes you can think about it as a pH balance. You can think about it as, are you getting, are you drifting away? So I guess talk a little bit, a bit about then as you get into execution, how does that show up? Like in, you know, internally, I guess one way that I think about it is on previous design teams I've been a part of, you know, one of the shorthand is like, this doesn't feel like us. And so there's this whole idea of what feels like us. Do you guys have that? And how does that show up internally? Yeah, well, like I mentioned earlier, we do not have the perfectly printed on my desk uh, brand book. You don't need one. <laughs> so we don't, we don't need one, but that's sort of my role here. And obviously your job as founder is to try to get other people in the company to be able to do that too and to, to get a sense and, and, and really be able to tell what's in and what's not within, within the brand. But that is a question that I, at the time, after we finished this exercise, I made that question to Andy, um, who I just mentioned, she, she guided us through this process. And I said, well, what do I do now? <laughs> like he just gave me all this amazing theory and I love sleep fitness and I love all these values and now we can call ourselves a health and wellness company, but what do I do? And she said, well, there always has to be a person at the company that is a steward and you can't get away from that. And that person doesn't forever need to be the same person, but there has to be a person who is looking at everything that the brand is putting out there and paying attention closely and analyzing and thinking, does this reflect that positioning and and who we are and how we want to be perceived. And so that is sort of like point number one. And like I mentioned, now my job is as we scale the team to get more people to think that way, to bring the right people in who that's something I definitely filter for when we're hiring for anyone that does brand design or works in our brand marketing team is that I tell them, it's like, you're not going to come in and change who we are because there is a tendency, especially from designers. Sometimes they think they're going to get the job and then they're going to change something. I'm like, this is who we are. We want to be better at representing it. We want to push the boundaries. We want to be more innovative visually and storytelling, but you're not going to change who we are. So if you like it, join us. If not, this is probably not the company for you. And and that's part of the job of the steward. But then on the other hand, too, is you need to find ways to communicate and express that positioning in every possible touch point with the world. So we went ahead and we created a sleep fitness score in our app. It's not just a score, it's not just a sleep score, it's a sleep and a score that you get every morning based on your sleep metrics. And we have an entire definition of how do you measure sleep fitness? We work with our scientific advisory board to come up with that scoring and why we do it that way and why it matters and how we can improve it. We create content around what does it mean to be sleep fit. We arm the rebels, right? We need to give the language to our members, to our influencers, to our press team, to journalists. And us as founders, every single time we go on an interview, we talk about sleep fitness, right? So it's that's how you build it over time. Start talking about it, make it very clear what it stands for, who it's for, how can people get started in the journey? And it's just a snowball that hopefully will build over time. Yeah. So well said. And I rarely do this, but I will just interject to say that you, if anyone listening thinks they ever need a brand book, you absolutely do not need a brand book. And I think that's one of the worst signs uh, when you have a brand book, because, you know, I think something I've learned over time is a brand, as you alluded to, a brand is a living, breathing thing. You should always be pushing it, stretching it, trying new things with it, iterating on it. So it should not ever be this, here it is in a book and it's in a tomb and it's never going to change. That's not a, that's not a thing. (laughs) just to say it. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was data. And part of that is you guys have collected an enormous amount of data at this point on sleep trends. Can you give everyone a sense listening? I'm sure you probably don't have the number on the tip of your head, but how much data at this point you guys have collected? <laughs> it's an amazing question. And I should probably know this, but I think it's over, I don't know if it's 90 million hours or it's some outrageous number of nights of sleep and hours of sleep and all of that. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting information. 
One, how do you guys think about that internally? So you are ingesting, you know, you have all of these smart devices, you know, in so many people's homes, you obviously have it with, with individuals, you have it with couples that are sleeping in the bed together, you have all this different data coming in. How does that impact your product development process? And the question I wanted to ask there was, I think something I'm really curious about, given you guys are both working on software that connects everything together and makes sense of all the data, as well as hardware, how much of that data is influencing the direction of hardware versus software? It's a great question. Let me tell you first sort of like how we think about that data and where the value resides is it may sound like, oh my God, they have all this data, but that is one of the pillars for us that we define as, as an important value for the business, which is the data will always be utilized to bring value to the person who owns that data, which is the end user. We don't have a business model that monetizes with third parties with that data, we don't need it, right? And so it's not something that we ever pursue. And it's very important, right? Because maybe you want to build a business that way, and that's totally fine. But the transparency and being able to articulate, like, this is where we make our revenue, but this is not where we're looking to make our revenue is really important. And so that data, as it grows, that pool of data, the value of it growing goes back to each user because the more we understand sleep across more people, the better, more refined the algorithms get to understand you at an individual level. So there's power in that. And that goes back to each individual user. And, and I'm sure anyone who has slept in our products since 2016, when we shipped our first product, could tell the difference of how much better the product has gotten, how much smarter. We're about to release a bunch of other new insights that come from correlation of a lot of data points, right? So the smartness is only, we're only able to build it because we have more people sleeping on these products. And so, so that's where the value comes in. And how we use it to build new products, we actually rely much more to build new products on more traditional product marketing research with with our user base because the reality is that you can infer so many things out of out of data but you don't really know until you talk to people so i've spent a lot of time over the years conducting surveys and focus groups we actually run a group a small group of a selected set of our users that have opted in to be part of this sort of beta and they get access to early products and they answer tons of different research for products and they put in product requests but even publicly on Twitter, people post to request for features all the time. There was, I think, another one this morning asking for a different mode for when they're managing multiple pods. So it's very community-driven. And then with the data, what we do look at is, are we helping people sleep better? Because we can ask you qualitatively how you feel. Is the pod helping you sleep better? But the ability to look at those trends and say, we're actually helping people get a higher uh, HRV or re- uh, reduce their heart rate at rest, right? Or indicators of better recovery. That is the validation part. And that's where the data comes really valuable to make sure we're delivering on that promise. Yeah. And I love that answer of obviously with a physical product, you know, just spending a lot more time with customers uh, because I think it's really important to talk about that. And that's not something that often gets covered because yes, you know, in your guys' example, there's a lot of quote unquote data that may sound super sophisticated and intelligent, but you know, at the end of the day, a lot of what you learn that's novel and surprising is just in customer conversations. And so I wanted to ask on that note, you know, because you gave a, a bunch of interesting examples there, just to drive that point home, can you think of an example where, you know, a conversation or something that a customer brought up triggered an aha and, you know, influenced the direction of a product or feature. 
Yeah, there's probably two that come to mind. The first is back in 2015 when we launched the first product on crowdfunding. There was probably a handful of prototypes that existed at that point. We went to Indiegogo and we launched this product and we didn't know if anyone in the world would want it. And suddenly we sold over 8,000 units and we made over a million dollars in pre-orders. And we're like, oh my God, now we have to build all these products and people actually want it. But what we did during that, that crowdfunding campaign is we opened up a forum where we asked our uh, now our backers that had uh, put um, some money in to get their pre-order to tell us what else they wanted us to build for them. And the number one request was to cool their bed. And we knew temperature was important. That's why we had built the smart mattress cover that could warm up one side of the bed, but not the other. But we just thought like, well, we'll just move the temperature up and the other person can stay off, right? But we hadn't realized how valuable the cooling aspect was until we heard it from, from those backers. And they also requested, the second most requested feature was a vibrating alarm. And we're like, what is a vibrating alarm? It's not something we had really thought of. And now our products do both. So it was just a matter of time until uh, we built it and we, we brought it into the next generation of the products. But that came from just opening it up to our customers and saying, what would you want? What problems can we solve for you? And just truly listening. <laughs> Correct. Listening and saying, hey, like they actually care. They're, they're not just asking for it because it's a crazy thing. Uh, you, you need to also trust the intuition of the customer when they're really so fervently asking for something. The other one that was really fascinating to me personally, again, as a marketer, is I remember a few years ago doing a round of calls with uh, customers who had just purchased. And I was trying to understand what uh, really sort of pushed them over the edge and, and got them to commit to their purchase. And one of the things that I kept hearing, this was right after we had done the, the repositioning of the brand, I kept hearing people say, well, I was looking for a mattress and I started getting targeted with your ads on Facebook right? Facebook does an amazing job at saying, well, people are looking for this. So let me show them ads of other products. And, you know, it makes shopping easier for all of us. So <laughs> there's some value in that. And people would say, well, I saw your ads and I saw that your product has technology and I'm a person who likes technology and I use it for other aspects of my, of my life. And so I thought this product is for me. So the, the connection, the identity point, when you know who you are as a brand, when you portray that clearly, people who follow that lifestyle or see themselves as a fit are going to identify with it and are going to purchase you, even if you may be more expensive or above the budget that we're looking to spend. And so that was a big aha to me that comes from, like you said, talking to people. The data, anything I could look at in my Facebook dashboard or my post-purchase surveys was never going to tell me that insight. Yeah, it's a fantastic example. We've covered a, a ton of ground. I think I want to end on maybe two notes. And one would be, you know, when we had a conversation initially about what we would cover, one of the things that you talked about is kind of this vision 10 years out that eight sleep is one product in your, in your home, but that our homes are going to be filled with smart products that all do proactive things to help our health and our wellness. Paint a little bit of that vision and feel free to, you know, add in as much eight sleep into that vision as possible. But I think it's important to maybe, you know, zoom out a little bit, bit and show people how this is going to become much more common in the future. And I also just find, you know, that vision really interesting and compelling. <laughs> so maybe paint yeah, that picture I, <laughs> I agree with you. I definitely think it's, it's very compelling. And there's a few examples that come to mind of things that we probably do every day that are going to change quite a bit. The first I'll talk about, which is, is sort of very top of mind for me right now, because I've been 
you know, going through this sort of phase of life and like in your you know, mid thirties and by no extent I'm saying I'm old, but your body starts changing. And I think especially as a woman, you start going through a lot of hormonal changes and like, you know, people start thinking of fertility and having kids and the aspect of knowing what's happening in your body, literally like being able to track and probably you should have started tracking these uh, many, many years ago is going to change significantly. And, and, and I can think about first the approach to supplementation or like vitamins being much more data-driven. There's an amazing company called Routine, R-O-O-T-I-M-E. And the uh, premise of what they're building is that personalized, like what they call precision nutrition. So just like eight sleep, they believe you should first measure where you are, take those blood tests and the convenience of your home or in a lab, and they'll show you where you are actually deficient. And they will build personalized doses of the vitamins and the supplements that you need to get back to your healthy levels. And every month you can retest to see if those supplements you've been taking have actually made a difference or not. Maybe they don't and you find that you have some other big issue you need to address, right? But how amazing is it that you could do this in a personalized way? You could just get everything delivered to your home, right? Gives you so much power. And, and it's something that for me is very top of mind, given that sort of like face of flight and the challenges that I start seeing in the years ahead of me. I love what routine is building. Another company does a great job at this is Levels right? Levels is doing it from the aspect of what you're actually eating. So from the food perspective, knowing what is good for you, what is not. When I tried Levels, I actually identified that my glucose drops uh, significantly when I sleep, especially in the last hours of my sleep. And that's the reason why intermittent fasting for me didn't really work, meaning I would wake up hungry, right? And so just insights like that, being able to understand your body can guide you to the right diets and to the right decisions in your foods, not for how you look, but how you feel and for your health and longevity. And then the same applies with eight sleep. So these are all you know three companies, three examples, tackling it in different areas, but they're all based on data, personalization, and delivering insights for you to change your habits or delivering an actual improvement in real time, like with eight sleep. So you know, when I enter into my bedroom, my bedroom is perfectly set up for me. So there is the lighting that is appropriate for that time of the day. It helps me relax, it helps me unwind. I get in the bed, it's you know, it's it's dark and you know, there's the right temperature, there's the right temperature in the bed. I don't need to wear very, you know, heavy pajamas or socks that actually get in the way of your own body regulating its temperature. And so it's just a more beautiful experience. And if we create that for babies and we are all watch out <laughs> what's the environment in which yes, babies please. sleep and make sure it's perfect, <laughs> why don't we do that for adults? Yeah. Well, now that makes me think, oh man, if you guys can create something for babies, I think that would be a massive, a massive market. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. probably something on your mind. Okay. So to close out, because we've covered a, a tremendous amount of ground and you've been amazing. I want to just end on a note to kind of remind people around why sleep is so important. And so kind of my last question is, can you either share an example from yourself of, I imagine obviously as being the guinea pig at eight sleep, you've learned a lot about sleep. <laughs> you've learned about how to, how to optimize your sleep. Maybe there's a customer story that's that's significant or interesting, but can you just, I guess, talk a little bit about why sleep is so important as just a note to kind of remind people of why you're solving this problem in the first place? What does that unlock? What does sleep fitness unlock? It unlocks life. It unlocks health. It unlocks longevity. It is the most important pillar of health. And, and, and I always tell this stat because to me, it was the most fascinating one I've ever learned in the last seven years, which is there has been... Um, science experiments done on animals, of course, rats in this case, where they have shown that you die sooner of sleep deprivation than food deprivation. That is how important it is for your body's functioning. And so when you think about what you prioritize, 
sleeping enough and sleeping well is more important than the physical activity, than meals and, and nutrition. It really is at the basis of it. You can't be healthy if you don't have healthy sleep. The second thing I would say, you know, from my own story, when I, I was saying earlier, I'm an amazing sleeper, I can fall asleep anytime, but you were referencing the pictures of me on Twitter wearing a ton of different sensors on my head. And, you know, we do that at times uh, as benchmarks, so talking about intelligence and algorithms. We've been, that's very similar to what you would use in a sleep clinic at PSG. And, you know, I volunteer to provide data as a female. So we got more diverse data sets and sleep on the pod and sleep with all those sensors in my head. And what we found by comparing data sets is that I have a mild case of sleep apnea. And so, you know, I'm in my early 30s. I'm still young, but knowledge when it comes to sleep early on can be very powerful because sleep apnea is a degenerative disease. It's, it's not something that you should take lightly. Uh, it can become worse over time. It impacts uh, your ability for your brain to get the right level of oxygen as you're sleeping. Your sleep can deteriorate. So I can start, could sleep a lot, but you're not getting good quality sleep. So the power of what we're building at Aid Sleep also tackles that of, can we put that information in your hands as soon as possible so that you can take the right steps to address it? Yeah. So great, great examples. So for anyone that's interested, you can go to 8sleep.com to learn more. You can also follow 8sleep on Twitter. Also, Mateo and Alexandra are amazing on Twitter. <laughs> um, I, I don't know Mateo's handle. I'm sure you probably do. I think it is M underscore Franceschetti, which is his name. But if you go to 8sleep, you'll probably see tweets and retweets from both our accounts. And so you'll find us easily. Yeah. And if you want to follow Alexandra, you can do that at A underscore Zatarin on Twitter. Thank you so much for the time. This has been so much fun. Yes, of course. Thanks for the invite. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to everything we discussed as well as the notes and transcript for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 88. At outlieracademy.com, you can also find more incredible interviews with the founders of Superhuman, Levels, Rally, Common Stock, and Primal Kitchen, as well as interviews with some of the world's best-selling authors and many of the world's smartest investors. You can now also find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash outlieracademy. On our channel, you'll find all of our full-length interviews as well as our favorite short clips from every episode, including this one. And you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn under the handle Outlier Academy. From our entire team, we hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope to see you right here next week on Outlier Academy.